Hello, listeners, and welcome to Formative Films, a nostalgia podcast where two old friends discuss the movies that inspired us in our youth to see how they resonate with us today. We are your two hosts, Mikey and Justin. This is Formative Films. Formative Films. Hello, what have we here? Hey, buddy. Whoa! Hey, Mikey. How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing well. And you should be fantastic because it is a Mikey choice this week, and he has chosen a fantastic formative film. From 1980, The Empire Strikes Back, also known as Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, if you want to be really formal about it. I always do the IMDb plot summary up front. After the Rebels are brutally overpowered by the Empire on the ice planet Hoth, Luke Skywalker begins Jedi training with Yoda, while his friends are pursued across the galaxy by Darth Vader and bounty hunter Boba Fett. How was this film formative to you, Mikey? Star Wars just is one of those franchises as a whole that defines me defines my life my earliest memory i've mentioned before on previous podcasts was being taken by my father to see return of the jedi in the movie theater at the age of three after falling in love with this in the movie theater i mean right after that i remember our family getting a vcr a star wars movie was on the first at the time it was only the first three so yeah it's hard the longest time is all we needed I'd be happy if that's all that we had still. How was this formative to you? Well, as we discussed on the Return of the Jedi episode, this was on a tape that we had had made by a friend of ours, Mr. Mark Stevens. I had, again, seen The Empire Strikes Back, I don't know how many times before I even had memories. And like, so like, as I said, I've always known that Darth Vader was Luke's father. That's never been a surprise to me. That's another thing that I wanted to discuss, too, was the re-release, the special editions. That's a vivid memory for me as well. Yeah, I was excited about it until I actually saw one. And I, this is the first one I saw. So like, And then I remember being kind of not disappointed uh, because most of the special effects in this are really just uh, elevating it versus trying to add more stuff. There's not a lot of additions to this one. A lot of the additions in the special editions, additions to the editions, uh, are pretty egregious. But I'm going to argue, and I think you're you're mostly on board with me, that that the additions to this film are the least egregious. A lot of them I really don't mind, and some of them I actually kind of like. I do remember, and it annoyed me watching it this time too, when they are running to save Han, there's for some reason rather than like running down the same corridor a third time, they, for some reason, have Han, Leia, and Chewie out on a balcony because they just mm. thought, let's just create a balcony and like have them be like out on a balcony for this one shot. Instead of the same old hallway, we'll make it a balcony. And like it's really noticeable uh. like, that I like, cut out and in front of like CGI that was not there before. And then it also just didn't make sense. It's like, so wait a second. You were inside the hallways, but you managed to get outside and then you had to go back inside again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because uh, but, that ledge doesn't connect to the platform where the falcon is, bro. Come on. Yeah, I know. Uh, but <laughs> I usually ask you at this point, Mikey, who wrote it, who directed it, who did the music, and what were the reviews like? Empire Strikes Back, two hours and four minutes long. Rated PG, released May 21st, 1980. Produced by Gary Kurtz. 
story by George Lucas, screenplay by Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan, directed by Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner. I wrote down a couple of uh, Kirsch's credits. He didn't have a long he didn't filmography. Bond movie, didn't he? Never say never. Oh, the, so the, it's the, on the, the, the kind of Bond movie. Yeah, the kind of Bond movie. Uh, he also did RoboCop 2. I forgot that. For some reason, I thought someone else did RoboCop 2. I totally forgot Irving Kirshner did RoboCop 2. Holy <laughs> hell. <laughs> I didn't realize it until doing this. And then the other one that I wrote down is Angus, a movie from the 90s that I well, remember. I, I never saw it, but I remember it. I rented it. that from the library more than once because it was about a fat kid who like gets the girl because he like is honest with her. And I was like, I was, certainly wasn't as fat as he was, but I was you know an overweight kid. I still am an overweight guy. But uh, yeah, uh, kinda... we all are. But yeah, so I rented that movie more than once. I've got a young James Vanderbeek in there as a bully. Oh, nice. George had kind of written this story idea. He kind of like said, okay, I know what the next two movies are going to be. And so he gave that then kind of outline to Lee Brackett and said, Lee. The, the queen of space opera. Yes. And she apparently like did a full draft for George uh, with very witty dialogue and certain aspects that she brought to the story. And then as Mike had said, she passed away from cancer. Unfortunately, George, I guess then wrote himself his own version of that draft and added some things that he thought were appropriate. Yep. And then he's like, but I'm not a really good script writer, and my dialogue is for shit. And so he gave it to Lawrence Kasdan, who had just done Raiders, and it's like, Lawrence, tighten this up, do what you can, and he did. And then he get brought in the final script, which is then what we shot. And a lot of the witty dialogue really came from Lawrence's script, not so much from Lee's, because according to like yes. lore, it didn't quite fit the characters, what she was writing. And And having just done Raiders... Uh, I'm not surprised like his dialogue in that movie is, I mean, in the, in the documentaries for that, they, they were just heaping praise on, on the dialogue that he could write. And yeah, it's on full display here as well. A little bit about Lee Brackett too, that I wanted to add. Queen of Space Opera is what she was known as because she had been writing tons and tons of science fiction, short stories and novels starting way back in the 1940s. And then kind of doing different things oh, wow. on and off. Yeah, yeah. Doing different things on and off throughout her career. And then at, at one point, I think in the 60s, Howard Hawks, the, the famous Hollywood director, mm -hmm. um, hired Lee Brackett to assist in the writing for the script for The Big Sleep with Humphrey Bogart, one of my all-time favorite noir movies. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it in a few years. Even that, I, I've read that book more than I've seen that movie. I'll say that. And then she would go on to write or co-write a bunch of John Wayne movies for Howard Hawks, including, including Rio Bravo, Rio Lobo, and then later on, uh, she helped write The Long Goodbye. What was the other one you mentioned? I was going to comment on it. And I uh, Rio Bravo, Rio, Rio Lobo. Bravo is apparently one of Quentin Tino's favorite movies. And oh. I f finally saw it in the last few years. It's uh, John Wayne, Dean Martin, and from Ozzie and Harriet, he was a famous kid, R Ricky... Ricky oh, Nelson. Ricky yeah. Nelson. And it's Nelson. the three of them. And it's kind of like a retelling of High Noon, where like he's like, you know, I need mm. to defend the town against these baddies who are coming and no one wants to volunteer. One kid who like is like, you know, heck yeah, Mr. I'll join the fight is like, okay, but like you don't know what you're getting into. And the other guy who used to be a deputy who's now a drunk, Dean Martin, he's like, I will give you back your dignity and give you a badge if you sober up quick and help me with this 
problem is coming into town and but the three of them like getting the game together to like prep for this like gunfight that comes and then just really quickly before we move on lee brackett passed away at the age of 62 cancer i couldn't find out what kind of cancer and then i i wanted to note the bad um, stuff that remains that she came up with the hoth battle the jedi master's wisdom the asteroid field the whole love triangle thing cloud city the whole betrayal at the end and the climactic duel at the end then what the hell was george's outline <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> the budget ballooned to over 30 million 30 and a half million to be exact mm, that's a lot for 1980 that's a very expensive yeah. movie it was a modest success uh did okay at the box office this is really regarded as the greatest star wars movie of all time and i can't i can't argue that <laughs> yeah for the this the sheer the sheer effects alone and then yeah the dialogue has never been snappier and wittier and the like, characters truly the, the the character development is is really really great and yeah the, the snappy dialogue the witty dialogue and i think it's especially noteworthy <laughs> that the movie that George Lucas was the most hands off, like he, Kirshner, when he was approached, did not want to direct. Lucas had to promise him that he could direct it his way. Lucas got so stressed out making the first Star Wars that he didn't, he really didn't want to direct this one. So he, he gladly gave it off to Kirshner while he focused on. I mean, uh, if, develop- I re- if I recall, he directed Star Wars in 1977 or 76 and then he didn't direct anything again until 1999 when he directed The Phantom Menace. Am I wrong? I think you're correct, other than just like second unit. Like he did second unit stuff on radio. But yeah, like he was never in charge of a full production. I believe no. that's the case. I think he like did that. and Just, then did, just produced. He, I just want to throw out just a handful of movies that were playing in the box office at this time, just to give you a, the milieu of the of the theater empire strikes back obviously number one at the box office number two the gong show movie number three the kramer versus kramer never seen kramer versus kramer the only thing i know Me about either. it is it's dustin hoffman meryl streep and then the kid uh went on to be the little brother in the movie 16 candles oh that's a that's a movie that's a good one i like I recall that i think the actor's name is justin which, in thinking about that, I wonder if he's the reason why Justin that became a popular name from like 1980 to 1984. There were so many Justins, I swear. Interesting. I wonder. I wonder if that's the case because the actor's name was Justin. Everyone fucking saw that movie. Dude, the webs that we weave on this podcast, I tell you. <laughs> Number four at the box office, The Shining. Also playing, I'm not, I don't remember what rank it was, but I know you would like to hear in theaters at the time. Friday the 13th. Uh, it's a classic. Uh, Kevin Bacon is great. And then all those, uh, not Rob Bottin, Tom Savini. It's a bunch of Tom Savini gags, and they're fantastic. Have you, have you truly never seen the original Friday the 13th? I've never been to camp. It's a really great movie. Uh, I won't spoil who the killer is, because it's a whodunit for the most part. It's the mom. Okay, you do know. I don't know. I don't know. I already, you know. No, I, I, th- I thank you from the bottom of my heart for trying to say. But at the same time, like you, you don't, you don't meet her until she's like, "Hi, I'm Pamela Voorhees. What are you doing here?" When my son Jason died here a couple of years ago, and it's like, "Oh, you're the fucking killer." <laughs> <laughs> I think I hear the march of the empire. Dun 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 dun. 
Give us the cast, cast, cast. Give us the cast. Who's the cast? We have Mark Hamill returning as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, David Prowse as the body of Darth Vader, and James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, Kenny Baker as R2-D2, Frank Oz as the puppeteer and voice of Yoda, Alec Guinness as Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and uh, we have Jeremy Bullock as Boba Fett. I want to mention Jack Purvis as Chief Ognaught, as he and Kenny Baker oh. the uh, a comedy act they used to do for years and years. Jack Purvis, we know, is also in Willow. That's He's also right. in Time Bandits. Clive Ravel as the voice of the Emperor. Because you probably wanted me to mention him. I brought up Admiral Piet as Kenneth Colley and Julian Glover as General Veer. I'm going to say right now, Kenneth Colley gets my MVP. From time to time, give an MVP usually to one of the more background characters. And holy God, do I love... I, I've always loved Piet for some reason. Even as a kid, I was always fascinated with him. And down to this last viewing, I still fucking love Piet. And then, of course, we should discuss the music and the reviews. We got good old Johnny Williams, your favorite, doing music once again. Uh, what else is there left to say about Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Williams? Uh, his score here for The Empire Strikes Back. Personally, probably my favorite score. If I had to pick one score of Johnny Williams that I could have and nothing else, it would probably be Empire Strikes Back. On cinematography, Peter Sashitsky, among other Sashitsky works, are 1975's The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ooh, oh, Peter Peter Shishitsky. Oh my God, yes, I've seen that name a hundred times because <laughs> I've seen that movie a hundred times. <laughs> Ringing a bell now, huh? P- Peter Tukashitsky. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the crowd says? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I knew I would hit you with that one. I knew I'd get you. The uh, critical reception, like I, re- like I said earlier, was a little mixed on this at the time. It took, took many, many years for it to, to get the esteem that it uh, eventually gets. The first review that I'll say is one of the negative ones. Dave Kerr from the Chicago Reader said that it's mainly marking time. The characters take a definite backseat to the special effects, and much of the action seems gratuitous, leading nowhere. And then to get the other side, I am going to pull a wild card, Pauline Kale. There is no sense that this youthful saga is running thin on imagination or that it has begun to depend on its marvelous special effects. I'm not sure I'm up for seven more Star Wars adventures, but I can hardly wait for the next one. High praise from her. Yes. I about fell off of my chair and pooped my pants when I read that. Should we go to a galaxy far, far away? I was going to say, the, start to, the way to start a story, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I've Did you reco- write down? Well, so I didn't write down the whole thing, because if I recall last time, you had me doing it as George, doing yeah. an abbreviated version. So that's Let's what I kinda, that's kind of what I did. All right. George, George, you can come out now. Oh, goody, it's my time to talk. So there's no more Death Star, but guess what? The Rebels lost their main base. 
and are now on the run from the Empire. Guess what they're on? It's called Hoth. <laughs> Is that some kind of drug, George? <laughs> they're on Hoth? Hoth? Hoth they're all fu- Hothed up? Hoth will fuck you up. <laughs> uh, Vader's obsessed with finding this kid named Luke Skywalker, and he sends thousands of probe droids on the remote reaches of space. And that's about all. Thanks, now, back I'm in the go, closet. I'm going back into the stairs now. I'm, a, I'm like Harry Potter. <laughs> I couldn't even hold the voice. I was laughing too hard. Dan, Daniel Radcliffe will one day play George Lucas in the uh, <laughs> film adaptation of his life. I'm excited that he's playing Weird Al. Uh, have you seen that still photo? I That's did see that. Looks pretty great. cool. Looks great. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we open up in space and we see a giant Star Destroyer as it's sending out probes in all kinds of directions. And we follow one particular one as it crashes onto a snowy planet. And I wrote these are great effects from 1980, but you can always tell when new stuff is added because uh, there are yeah. a few additional shots here. I was like, ooh, that's not from the original. And I can tell. Something that they uh, came up with that they invented for this movie was something called Go Motion. Yes. Yeah, you read about that too, where they could add like the motion. Basically, just it allowed them to do the motion blur on the Mm -hmm. stop motion. These tauntauns, these are like, I guess I read they're supposed to be like lizards with a lot of fur and like a ram's head. Cool. Um, I never thought too much about their anatomy. I was just like, they're just creatures that. Are they, are they native to Hoth? Because if they are, they die pretty easily in the freezing I, cold. I don't remember seeing that in my research, but I would say no. Ben Burt, the sound designer, to get the sound of the Tauntaun, he recorded this particular Asian sea otter. Slowed it down, kind of lowered the pitch. Cool. That's the, yeah, the Tauntaun is actually a, a sea otter. So, ooh, ooh, like I don't know. It's a pretty good Tauntaun, buddy. Hey, it sounds like a giraffe is dying over there. Yeah, so we see Luke. He's on one of these tauntauns. He is uh, scouting this area out. Apparently, he's been putting out some sensors. He sees this thing land. Oh, it's a meteorite. I'm going to go check it out, Han. I'll see you back at the at the station shortly. He's like on a little radio. But what he actually sees, as far as we know, is the probe droid. But we don't know that just yet. Or he doesn't know that just yet could be the probe droid it could just be a meteorite because i they say yeah there's, there's a lot of meteorites out here so it's even hard to tell like there's so much activity with meteorites we can't even tell if there's like a random uh empire ship coming it's really hard yeah to that. that's yeah they they it, it's kind of a hint to the asteroid field that's you know nearby like that's where all these meteorites are coming from yeah han's like okay okay i'll see you back at the base uh as luke's about to start heading out his tauntaun starts to freaking out and of course what attacks the mikey the wampa wampa which is a figure a toy we had when i was a kid we had the wampa oh you had one yeah nice i did too i did too like the like the uh, the arms were on those ball joints you could like move his arms pretty much like circular wherever for sure uh i was gonna say i think the majority of the star wars toys we had were mostly like return of the sorry were uh the empire strikes back kind of stuff for sure, Laurel and Holly like mm. love Star Wars, so I'm sure that's why the majority of their toys were from that time was because like that's when they really wanted them was in 1980. So that's a lot of the toys we had were Empire Strikes Back toys. See, Star Wars is for girls too. 
even oh, yeah. more so now. Even uh, more so now. But but but, but that's the that's, thing. Like, that's you know, awesome it, it was, to hear that your sisters way back then were so into it. Oh, they were way into it. I think that's why we watched them so much was because like they were really into them. I was going to even say uh, because the dialogue is so snappy here, but also it can be some double entendre stuff at some point. At, my sister Laurel told me when she was like twelve and Holly was like eleven, the two of them wrote down all these lines from Star Wars and then tried to use dialogue from Star Wars to like write a dirty story. And so like Laurel's like, yeah, we, we basically wrote like a pornographic story using Star Wars dialogue. <laughs> and so like I could I- see some Kasdan dialogue popping up in the in in some rated R rated X uh, like, material. You know, they're, they're walking around inside the cave. It's really moist in here. It's a lot of there's a lot of moisture in here. <laughs> Come on, kid, let's blow this thing and then go home. <laughs> yes, yes, you dirty, dirty minds. Oh, my hands are dirty. <laughs> my, my my hands are dirty too. That's a funny <laughs> line. <laughs> we should mention too this location. Where was this Nints? Uh, somewhere, somewhere in, in Finland, Finland or Norway. Yeah. Um, they were, I, I wrote it down. Um, they were experiencing the worst winter they had had in 50 years. It was nuts. So a lot of this snowstorm stuff that you see is real. <laughs> yeah. There's even a, there was a footage you'll see when Luke escapes the Wampa's cave later on, where he's just like tumbling down this little hill. Yeah. Uh, that was all shot just out of the door of the hotel they were staying in. They were like, we're trapped in the hotel and we can't get out to go shoot some stuff. But just looking out the front door, it looks like just, you know, a white snowy landscape. How about you go around the corner there, come down over this thing like you're escaping. We'll put some makeup on you and we'll shoot some shit while we're stuck here. Yeah. So these Tauntauns, they were not working. And then they were supposed to breathe a lot better too. And that, yeah, I thought that the breathing all, was fine. It, it does work, but the, it, it didn't work as intended and they had to like bypass the system and have like three or four crew members, all of them take deep breaths and breathe in there at all at the same time, just to get one little breath out of the, out of the Tauntaun. They thought, made it work. I say, I thought whatever they did worked great. They made it work, but it, it did not go as planned. Uh, then we see Han arriving back at the base on his Tauntaun, which is this great set of the base. It's this very large actual place that they built with several different ships inside, including the biggest version of the Millennium Falcon they ever built was on this set. You can I see read it. it was full. No, oh, okay. maybe I, I, but yeah, it was like the biggest version they'd ever done. And it was, I read uh, that this was the only time. I, I'm not sure about the the newer movies, but up until the newer movies, I I read that this was the only time they actually built the entire <laughs> Falcon. The Falcon is so so much a character in this movie more so than in any other Star Wars movie. The, oh, the Falcon sure. is up front and center, and, and it, it is a character. Maybe why this movie is so great is that it features the Falcon more than any other Star Wars movie. I, I, I'll put my stamp on it. That's probably true. And yeah, so as he comes up to the ship, we see Chewbacca was working on it, and he's like yelling at him, like, where the fuck have you been? I'm doing all this myself. Yeah, yeah, hang on. I'll be there in a second. Calm down. (laughs) I love these two bickering like an old married couple. So he goes to see the general in charge, and Leia's hanging out with him as they're kind of in like the control room of the base. And he's like, hey, man, it's been great. I loved helping you guys out with your rebellion, but... Uh, that last time we were in Mos Espa, mm-hmm. that bounty hunter nearly caught me. 
And I've got that price in my head to jump at the hut. And I think I better go pay him before I get more trouble. So I got to go. And the general's like, hey, man, I get it. You're, you're great. And I'm going to hate you not being here. But I totally get what it's like having a price in your head. So go for mm-hmm. it, man. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm leaving. She's like, yeah, bye. Oh, well, <laughs> don't have a fucking parade. I guess I'll just go. And uh, she's like, well, I'm upset because we need you here. Like, we need you? What about you? Do you need me? And she won't say it. Right. He, like, he leaves the room. He's out in the hallway, and she chases after him. And, like, this conversation continues out there. I love to imagine the history that has happened since the last movie between these two. I come up with so many different things. Did they just, like, go off on some mission together? they were friends and then like maybe she revealed to him like her softer side and he was like prickly and then she's oh well i i just i get all these all these stories in my head i i i love these two i love these two i just always see that they've like obviously had some more time to hang out with each other and just like something has happened crushing a co-worker just sometimes like well i spent enough time with someone like yeah they got some flaws but i still want to bang them you're following me around because you're afraid I was going to leave without giving a goodbye kiss. I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. I can arrange that. We see C-3PO and R2-D2 coming to talk to Han because Leia has been asking about him. And he's like, I'm not answering my phone. I'm not talking to her. He's like, well, she's worried because Luke didn't check in. He's like, what do you mean he didn't check in? Like, like no one knows where he is. Like, that's, that's bullshit. And so he just drops what he's doing and goes to talk to someone in charge. Like, where's Luke? He checked in, right? Uh, maybe he checked in the, the south door. Well, go check out for me, will ya? And uh, he's starting to get worried. There's a really cool gag in here, too. I didn't even put this gag together in my mind for the longest time. C-3PO is is in Han's ear, and Han is trying to talk to the deck officer. And he covers, th- he covers the droid's mouth. Mm-hmm. And that stops... That's not going to stop a microphone, but for some reason in this in this galaxy, it 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 can stop this droid from talking. It's just I think it's very funny. It's yeah. very funny. I always thought it made sense. I think it's funny that that it stops him. That's yeah. all I'm saying. He he, he, gets, he understands social cues. <laughs> <laughs> no one has seen Loki. He never came in, and of course the speeders are not yet adapted to the cold, so Han can't take one out. I'll have to go out on Tauntaun. Your Tauntaun will freeze before you hit the first marker. Well, then I'll see you in hell. Yeah! So I guess hell exists in this galaxy. That's what I wrote. I was like, I guess uh, Christian hell exists in the <laughs> far, far away. <laughs> we see <laughs> Luke hanging from the top of this frozen cave by his feet. This is like a thematic theme. Sorry to interject, but Luke hanging upside down will happen again and again in this film and every time too it's worth noting that he uses the force yeah he's he, he's upside down a lot in this movie you're right that's how, is how he achieves his chi <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's really cool how his feet are encapsulated in that ice in the ceiling and I, this is the first time i wondered so like obviously the wampa like had to like spit on his feet and then i was like, just gonna hold him up until he froze and then walked away after he was finally frozen. But I was like, obviously like he doesn't have the means to like melt water. So that's just Wampa spit. Yeah. He's just dragging him back to the cave with, with his feet in his mouth. Yeah. There is added footage here. Uh, that was in the special edition from 97 of the uh, Wampa eating the dead Tauntaun. Uh, Which I just, don't, 
mind. No, it, it, they did a very good job with it. Like this part, I don't mind at all. This doesn't really affect the edit. Uh, it's just, you know, before it was mostly just focused on Luke and you'd see like flashes of like an arm. You'd see flashes of a face walking down like a cave. Mm-hmm. But th- this is impressive because they did a very good job with it and it doesn't disrupt it too, too much. I think like the only disruption is I can tell a little bit the difference between 1980 and 1990, whatever, when they when they added the Wampa footage. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I'm I'm okay with it. Luke uses the force. He pulls his lightsaber towards him. And as we discussed in Return of the Jedi, he can only use the pull force. He doesn't know the push force. And that's a new force <laughs> ability. We've, we haven't, this is the first time we've seen that. That's true. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen anything other than, you know, the Jedi mind trick. This is the first time we're seeing, oh, Luke can like move some shit with his mind. That's cool. He gets his lightsaber. He melts his feet out of the ceiling. He lights up this Yeti and takes its arm off. <laughs> <laughs> that's another theme. Somebody always be losing an arm in the in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this time it's the Wampa. He escapes the cave, but he's now on foot in the middle of nowhere, and the sun's going down. That's where I wrote it down. Fence Norway. Fence. Negative twenty six was the high. Ooh. Negative thirty eight was the was the low. Hey, it's John Ratzenberg. Although it's not his voice, <laughs> which I never noticed. Yeah. Like until the screen, I was like, wait. But I know his voice, and that's not his voice. It's so weird. Cliff Clavin from Cheers, y'all. Yeah, definitely a different voice. He, 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 probably, he probably just headed to Chicago. They're like, no, nah, <laughs> Chicago can't be any galaxy far, far away. <laughs> yeah, come on, Rebels, let's go. Uh, <laughs> that might have been a little more Boston. Here's um, a, no, no, no look at uh, Commander Skywalker out there. His character informs Leia that the temps are dropping. They have to close the doors, locking out the heroes for the entire night. Artu says Chewbacca's... the chances of survival are 720 to 1. But Artu has been known to make mistakes from time to time. Chewie's scream as that door closes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty... Heart-wrenching. I wrote, Chewie, Chewie being sad makes me sad. It's the dog that's like crying when its master leaves the house. Oh, yes. And then we, uh, we're back out in the storm with Luke. He's passed out in the snow, close to death, when he's awakened by a, go- a ghostly vision. Luke! Luke! Ben! You must go to the Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. There was this other guy. His name was Qui-Gon Jinn, but we don't like to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Force Spirit. This is the the Lee Bracket invention. Anyways, yeah. Any, I already mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, and I, I had to say it again. I was going to say, as the ghost goes away, Han and the Tauntaun finds Luke. All of these shots with Alec Guinness were the very, very last thing that they that they filmed because they never knew if he was coming back. He was not the biggest fan of Star Wars. But also, I think it was mainly he had just had an eye surgery that made him unable to be in front of lights. Han arrives in his tauntaun and saves Luke. He even uses Luke's lightsaber to open up his tauntaun after it falls down dead and uh, puts Luke either inside or very much next to the organs of the body because it's very warm. And that comes from, I guess, the, the movie Revenant, 
but it's based on like an actual well, thing. Like it, it's it's this real guy. The Revenant came out way way later. No, no, I know, but I like it's based on an, an actual guy, and he talked about how, yeah, in, in a snowstorm he cut open a horse and like removed its insides, and got inside of it to remain warm. Yes. Yep. 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 You're right. In, do what you got to do. Survival of the fittest. In Wayne's world, uh, in the dead of winter, when you stab a man, uh, steam will rise from the wounds. Native Americans believe this to be the soul escaping the body. Yeah, probably true. Oh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. As Hans like trying to save Luke, Luke's just talking deliriously. Ben, Ben, Dagobah. Did you have a Tauntaun uh, toy? No, we did not. But we had a friend who had one. So you know about the uh, the action where you could shove one of the figures into the belly <laughs> of the Tauntaun? Oh no! The, the way I just remember, like you could the the in order to there's put a them, trap door on the top. Yeah, the trap door on the top, so you could have them seated because the the figures yep. couldn't spread their legs wide enough to sit on anything. But you could like stuff them in so it looked like they were riding it. That's that's what I remember. But then there's like a rubber slit in the in the belly where you could reenact this scene. Oh, no, I did not know that. <laughs> or at least mine had that. The next morning, snow speeders. I think this is the first time we see snow speeders. I love the snow speeder. I have a Lego snow speeder that I built. It's a really fun, really fun kit. I love it's the music huge. in this next scene as the snow speeders are searching for Han. Oh, it's so great. I love, I it. love that too. Yes. Yes. Captain Solo, this is Rogue Two. And then uh, I had read that George wanted it to be a planet covered in snow as it would pr- prove more challenging to produce the visual effects on a white background than it would be in space. He's like, space allows us to cheat a little too much if we're like, miss our lines as we're doing the you know rotoscoping for each frame to do the digital effect it'll look more impressive if we can do it in a white background because you've seen other movies do the same effect and it looks shitty if it misses the mark so let's make it where we don't miss the mark and we make it look really good which is why he wanted to do it in white rogue two his actual name zev Seneska. that's the actor or the character the character I figured. Zev Sineska. That's a Star Wars name. Yeah. I found them. I repeat, I found them. Love uh, that line. Then we cut to Luke in a tank. It's, it's a, what kind of tank is it called? Like a Bantha tank? <laughs> a Bantha tank. It's got Bantha no, milk in it. He's Bantha bathing. tanks. He, he's in Bantha, Bantha tank, tank milk. Bantha tanks are full of urine. Uh, this is a Bacta tank. Oh, it's close. <laughs> I knew it was a B. <laughs> oh, it's... A close B word, but worlds apart. Bacta is different than Bantha urine. Uh, Bantha also, milk. He's in Bantha milk. <laughs> freaky story that that Kirsch tells on the on the audio commentary about how uh, right before Hamill got into the tank, they had a bunch of lighting right above, and it, some of that I guess got hot, or I don't know what happened. It exploded and sent huge shards of glass down into the tank which possibly would have killed Mark Hamill. Like, it, 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 he made it sound like it was pretty, pretty bad, and it was a narrow, near-death escape. This medical droid, uh, 2-1-B, I had that action figure. Did you guys have that one? That's the blue guy with the microphone mouth, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. We, we had one because yeah, he could pull that microphone out. 
Let me see uh, Luke in the recovery room. Han and Chewie are talking, and Han's like, hey, that's two you owe me. <laughs> this is the only scene in the movie where all of the leads are together. Oh, yeah, because very shortly Luke says goodbye to Han, and that's the last time he sees him until Return of the Jedi. Yes. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Yes, yeah. Han can't leave to the general's orders, and he plays. He's like, you know, well, it's all right, because Leia here is for sure holding me back because, of course, she's got feelings for me. She expressed her true feelings for me in the South Passageway. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Who's scruffy-looking? Leia then goes and kisses Luke to make Han jealous, and then I walk away. They don't know they're siblings. And even Nobody so, knew they were siblings. Yeah, and like Luke, of course, that- like, looks pretty pleased with himself. He should be feeling like he's being used because it's so obvious he's being used. He's just like, ah, fuck it. I got a kiss. Hey, look at me. <laughs> get a kiss by the princess. If I got kissed by Princess Leia and I knew I was getting used, I would have the exact same reaction. <laughs> hey, man, I can't help it if she wants to use me. The rebels <sighs> are hearing this droid uh, that's on the planet. They're like, what? we don't know what this is. And C-3PO is like, uh, that does not sound like anything we use. It's probably uh, Empire, Imper- Imperial uh, code. So Han and yeah, I exactly. love that probe droid sound. I don't know what they used for that. I didn't look that up, but that's one of my favorite sounds. It's really cool. But yeah, so Han and Chewie go check it out. And uh, it's this droid that we had kind of seen before. We'd seen it also getting photographs of the shield generators. And so Han and Chewie ended up trying to shoot at it. It self-destructs. And Han's like, I think the Empire knows we're here. We better start the evacuation. So now we see the Imperial fleet there's something that's starting to cast a shadow over all of these regular Star Destroyers. What is it, Justin? It's the Super Star Destroyer, which in my mind was introduced in Return of the Jedi. I completely forgot I was in this movie. Like the one movie in the original trilogy where there's no Death Star. We just get this dreadnought yeah. called, the, called the Executor. Just for context, this thing being 12 miles long, a regular Star Destroyer is just under one mile long Ooh. which which itself okay that that's try putting one of those together on, on a planet i, I dare you <laughs> this is where we uh, see captain piet and he informs his admiral that they have found something on the hoth system the admiral says oh it's nothing but vader over here so he's, he's like uh say what now you found something on uh, on hoth it's like yeah uh this thing is like, that's it that's where they are we're heading right there send your men and yes, Mikey, showing me a very cool uh, Captain and slash Admiral Piet action figure he's got. Arms folded behind his back at, it, at attention. His even hat comes off. The hat even comes off. We cut to a cameo by Mr. Joe Johnston. Very wooden acting Joe Johnston. The guy who designed Boba Fett. But we see uh, Han and Chewie are still trying to put the Falcon back together and get it ready for their escape. Uh, Luke says goodbye to Chewie and then says goodbye to Han. And this, as I said, is the last time that they see each other until they're in Jabba's palace when they're both in handcuffs and on their way to see him. Hey, Luke, how we doing? Same as usual. That bad, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Just for you, buddy. The name of that droid that's helping Han repair the Millennium Falcon is a WED-1016. 
Ah, and yes, he's got kind of cool binoculars looking eyes, I always know. Yeah, and like all the weird, like kind of spider, weird spindly arms. And he's got like a weird flat base that he rolls around on. The Empire has arrived at Hoth. General Veers goes to talk to Vader and is like, his hyperbolic chamber, I wrote. I don't know what it's technically called. Uh, Vader's meditation chamber. His meditation you can chamber. even, I, I didn't really notice it for years and years that he's kind of sitting crisscross applesauce in there. Oh, nice. Hey, we arrived. Uh, we detect a shield that's going to be blocking our ability to uh, shoot them out of orbit. And he's like, oh, yeah, that dumb admiral too close to the planet so they would notice us coming. He's like, yeah, he thought it would be a good surprise attack. Yeah, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he 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 rings up uh, Admiral Ozel and chokes the mother out and promotes Piet to, yeah, Piet, to the Piet's new Admiral. His, his commanding officer being choked up by Darth Vader. And Darth Vader is like, and uh, you, you're, you got his job now. <laughs> Leia briefs the rebel pilots on the battle plan. The ground troops are preparing in the trench in, trenches out on the front line. Uh, these are all played by men, members of the Norwegian Red, Cor- Red Cross. Boy, that's a tongue twister. And then they use the ion cannon, which I guess like if you fire it at something, it's kind of like an EMP, and it takes out the Star Destroyer's ability to even like move in space, let alone fire. It just kind of goes dead and starts kind of like slumping down towards the gravity of the planet. This is Luke getting into his snowspeeder with Dak, his gunner, and this fantastic stop-motion sequence with the Adat Walkers is unbelievable. And then also the amazing stuff with the snowspeeders and how, yeah, they you don't see the black lines uh, around them. It's it's really seamless. It's fantastic. I love how the ant ants appear on the horizon, and you just get that distant rumble. And yeah, the first images we see of them are through those binoculars too. Which kind of really like help help us us make them feel real, and then the music here for this sequence always takes me back to the '90s in a video game I like to play called Shadows of the Empire on N64, and uh, you play this mercenary for the rebels, and the very first part of the game is the Battle of Hoth, where you're flying around in a snowspeeder. But yeah. the game was great. I loved the game. It was absolutely fantastic. Is that Dak Rendar? Something like Some, that was the something character. Rendar. Yeah. Yeah, like you had the blaster and you, uh, you know, could upgrade it and you had a jetpack for like limited, like long jumps. It was really fun. Man, a vivid memory that I have. Oh, it was when we went to Summerfest. You had to work that day. So I just hung out in your room at your at your house playing video games. <laughs> and one of the games that I played was Django Fett Bounty Hunter. Oh, nice. Yeah, that game was fun, too. Yeah, talk, talking about the jet the jetpack. I was going to bring that up later on, explaining because that game explains where the Slave 1 came from. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a whole sequence where uh, you oh, meet that's up. that's cool. Django meets up with the shapeshifter who is like his you know ally. Zam, Zam Wazel? Yeah, and so she knows of like where this guy is that they need to talk to who can tell them where to find this thing. And that guy's in this prison. And so this like exclusive space prison in the middle of nowhere in space they go there and all of the uh things built for that prison were built uniquely for that prison including all of the guards ships that would be like you know there to like protect it in case someone came to attack there were several of these slave one ships uh but they were like belonging to the guards and like as they're like leaving as the place is blowing up like uh, one of these ships is nicer than my ship let's take one of these so they take one of those ships 
Oh, and that's because, cool. Because the prison then blew up, then his was the only one left of this of these unique ships that were built for this unique prison. Oh wow, that's awesome! I never knew that. Yeah, as whether or not that's actually canon, but that's kind of that's where that came from in that video game. General Veers looks badass in his awesome helmet, which you showed me before. <sighs> you have the figure for. Love and it. and it's cool, like the helmet. I won't take it off, but the helmet and the chest plate is all removable, so he can basically uh, piet out. Cool. Two figures in one. Two veers in one. Luke says we have to use harpoons and tow cables instead of blasters. He tells his gunner Dank to get ready, but Dank gets taken out, and we get a no! good Wilhelm scream here from one of the guys in the trenches. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Why do these snow speeders have tow cables? Again, just going off in my own imagination. Like, what if these are like the little tow spaceships that help them tow the the broken down vessels back to base? Or like the, they're like tugboats. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just they're so desperate for for equipment that they've modified these to be attack vehicles now. We see Wedge is here too, and uh, Luke Wedge. is like. Hey Wedge, my gunner is dead. So I need you to do this run with your with your guy and your tow cable. I will cover you. Good shot, Jackson. That's <laughs> Jake and I say to each other all the time, or at least we used to. We would say, "Nice shot, Jackson." Oh, yeah, I love the way he delivers that. Uh, Wedge Antilles, played by Mr. Dennis Lawson. I remember vividly one day watching these Star Wars movies and it dawning on me, holy cow, there's another pilot other than Luke that survives all these movies? Wedge! And from that moment on, I was huge Wedge guy. Yeah, we definitely, I think we had a Wedge figure. They wrap their cable around the thing, it falls over, it explodes. Hooah! That got him! And uh, <laughs> we get a quick scene inside of the base where Han and Chewie are still trying to repair the ship. No, no, this one goes there! That one goes there, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get another quick scene of Leia and the general deciding it's time to get the get the last everybody out. Gotta go, gotta go. Uh, R2 says goodbye to C-3PO as uh, R2 is getting loaded up onto the X-Wing. Was there added footage of Rogue 2 here? I feel like there was added footage of the, like, the guy who found them. Now he gets the blown up. with like a bloody nose. He's like, you know, hey, yeah. look, like, I feel like that was new footage that came in like the 97 version. I don't remember. I don't that one, either. I'm not sure. Luke gets blown out of the sky as well. And he crashes right in the path of an AT-AT. But he quickly oh, no. gets uh, his harpoon cable and uh, jumps out of the way before his ship is crushed. And he tries a bit to get uh, Dax out. At least that's what it looks like. I think he's just trying to get that harpoon hmm. cable out. Uh, yeah, I never... People, People have said he's trying to get Dax's body out. I'm like, no, Dax is dead. He's just trying to get that thing so we can do what he does later. Yeah. And I always thought that he was going back for his lightsaber for some reason. It's obviously not. But when I was but a yeah. kid, I, was, I wasn't clear on what he was going back for. For some reason, then, I, th I think as a kid, I was like, he's going back for Dak. And I was like, no, Dak's dead. Oh, bye-bye, Dak. Yeah. And then we see a quick scene of Han um going to get leia out of the control room because she's one of the last ones refusing to leave but then we hear over the loudspeakers imperial troops have entered the base and then oh no she's like okay put out the code to retreat until everyone gets their ships and it's like yeah you too princess come on then we see luke what he's using that tow cable for what's he using it for he takes out one more atad he uh fires it up into the belly of the thing 
takes himself up to it, uses his lightsaber, which is awesome, and busts open a big hole, and then uh, throws a grenade inside, and then drops his cable. And then I wrote, then he breaks all of his knees and ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the the thing is blown up from the inside, and it falls down. Um, But it's too late, though. General Veers destroys the last of the shield generator. I do remember there was a great uh, joke from Robot Chicken of like the they, they show that whole sequence of him going up and throwing the grenade inside, and then they cut to the inside of the belly of that thing, and it's some stormtrooper taking a dump, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and he's just like re- reading the paper, and like he just sees this grenade come up and like land next to his feet. He goes, "What the fuck?" and it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> Veers knocks out the shield generator, which causes a cave-in inside the base, which blocks Han and Leia's escape towards her transport. So Han has no other option. He has to get Leia out in the Falcon. Uh, but we also see Vader and the snow troopers enter the base. And the snow trooper was one of my favorite designs. We had that toy as a kid. Mm. Love me a snow trooper. Uh, but of course, they get to the Falcon, and the Falcon won't start. And I, I love, I love him hitting the wall. Like, or is it later <laughs> on? I think it's here where he hits the wall. Like, the, he turns on the switch, the lights go down. And he like smacks it, turns it back on. I love that. Just trying to limp this baby along. Would it help if I got out and pushed? It might. And then uh, I love that there's also like a stop motion blaster that drops down. And he's like, I got, I still got a few tricks up my sleeve, including like automated guns that will stop anyone in the vicinity that is trying to attack. And am I right? Do those those he uses those on Tatooine and Mos Eisley, right? When, I believe so. Uh, when they first leave Mos Eisley, yeah, those come out too. So this kind of feels like a little nod back to the first film. I would agree. Falcon is finally able to take off, and we see Luke walking in the snow. He sees it, and he knows his friends are safe. And then Luke makes it to his X-wing, where R two is waiting, and they leave. No, R two, we're not going to regroup with the others. We're going to the Dagobah system. And meanwhile, Han, Chewie, Leia, and 3PO have their hands full trying to outrun the Empire. The whole Empire. The Imperial fleet is hot on their ass. Yeah, full-on Star Destroyer right behind them. And then two more coming right at them. And their hyperdrive motivator still is damaged. Can't get it going. Yeah. I hope you don't mind, sir, but I noticed earlier the hyperdrive motivator is damaged. It's impossible to go to light speed. And then this is where Han and Chewie are trying to repair the engines while in flight. And I, I love the gag of like Chewie hands him a toolbox. It's teetering yes. on the edge. Something hits the ship hard and the toolbox falls on top of Han. It's just, it's just a great gag. That was a Kirshner edition. That wasn't a laser blast. Something hit us. Yeah. And it totally like works in the story. It's not like a forced gag. It's it, it works and it, it leads to the next moment. Mm-hmm. It's asteroids. And uh, yeah, this is where Han's like, oh, great. I love asteroids. She's like, wait, you're not going into an asteroid field. Well, they'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? And then we get another uh, great C-3PO. But sir, the odds of surviving an asteroid field are so-and-so billion to one. Never Never tell me the odds. Another fantastic John Williams theme that is introduced here. That was my next note. Great music again, and then great special effects. You have like all these asteroids and the TIE fighters all being taken out as they're flying through. It's great. Oh my God, does it look glorious? And it it still holds up. It does. It, It looks really good. 
And uh, yeah, so then uh, Han's like, okay, I'm going to get closer to one of these bigger asteroids. Closer? Just listen <laughs> to me. And so they do. They're able to uh, get into one of these kind of uh, valleys on the asteroid. He takes it out the last of the TIE fighters. And then More they, great shots. Yeah, they find... Like that, the, that, that flying sideways. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I just... Oh. No, I know. It's, just, it's hard to describe special effects. So they're just saying, oh, it looks so cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, You're right. Yes. So they... <laughs> I but, love it. Just you remember that time that you took the the, the Millennium Falcon and you flew it sideways. It was cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, they find this cave and hope that the Empire can't find them. I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> we see Luke arrive at Dagobah. His scopes cannot pick up any cities, but there are massive life form readings. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure it's perfectly safe for droids. He assures R2. As he says, his scopes can't read anything. There's nothing on the planet to, like, you know, tell him, like, you know, uh, you know, hey, you are this elevation above the ground. He can't tell that. And then also it's foggy as hell. So I think really he just, he's fine blind once he gets a certain depth into the planet and he just crashes because he doesn't know where the fuck he is. I'll go with that. I was going to speculate that, like, I've heard tell that Yoda hides on Dagobah because of its, like, I don't know. It has like force so things. I, I heard that too. That, that was something that came up in watching The Last Jedi because Luke stays at this island. It has this massive area, this cave that has a lot of negative, dark uh, mm. side of the force power in it because with all that negative, his good is hidden. It's, it's counterbalanced. So that's also what Yoda's doing to hide from the Empire. He found a place that had this cave that had all this negative, dark force energy. And he's like, if I'm here near this cave... They can't tell where I'm at as far as like within the force because it, we're counterbalancing each other out. It's like the positive equates the negative. Okay. I like that. No, I like that a lot. So they crash. He's like in this swamp. R2 gets out of his little uh, cubby hole and falls into the water immediately. <laughs> and then uh, the, and, R2, and, the R2 and, figure and... that we had, I'm sure, was oh. based on Empire because it had a little extending arm that, head that came up out of the, out yep. the water. Yep. Yep, I remember that little blue, the little plastic blue thing that popped mm-hmm. up. This monster comes out of nowhere and eats R2. Uh, and then luckily he gets spat out pretty quickly. And Luke says, well, good thing you don't taste too good. I first noticed this too, that where R2 lands, there are a bunch of like skeleton ribs and spines. So whatever, oh, I didn't notice that. whatever that creature was spits out the things it can't eat into that same area every time. That's wild. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> then that's we see a little, uh, that's a cool little thing that I never noticed. And uh, yeah, Luke's like, you know, this place feels weird. Maybe this was a mistake. It feels like something out of a dream. And then uh, from there, we cut to Admiral Piet, who's walking in on Vader, uh, getting his helmet put back on, and we can see kind of the back of Vader's real head, and uh, it's mm. re- it's real uh, barf in your mouth for Piet. Yeah, he's a human under there, and he's really messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Piet says, uh, oh, they went into an asteroid field and Vader's like, and? <laughs> By the way, that sound of Vader's helmet going back on, literally a vacuum cleaner and somebody putting their hand on it. And so, yeah, uh, Vader's like, I don't care if they're in an asteroid field. I don't care if you have to destroy every ship in our fleet. Send people in after them. I want them found. It really kind of dawned on me in this viewing how we really, for the first time, 
and only time get Vader almost completely unleashed. Um, like uh, uh, Tarkin is he's really kind of working under Tarkin in the first movie mm-hmm. and really working under the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. And we get a little glimpse of the Emperor in here. But yeah, you're um, right. But this, mostly this is... he is just operating on his own. He is <laughs> taking out his own men left and right. Oh, Jesus. He's, his lightsaber is a big swinging dick in this movie. <laughs> C-3PO is going to talk to the ship's hyperdrive to see what's wrong with it. And uh, the are kind of concerned because the asteroid they're on is not that steady. The ship kind of keeps shifting as they're trying mm-hmm. to like fix things up. And of course, Leia falls into Han's lap during one of these shifts. And then I wrote the flirt fight slash uh, fight flirt. <laughs> Don't get excited. Yeah, sexual tension is palpable. I wrote, just fucking get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> We see Luke setting up his camp, and for what is essentially a short-range fighter jet, the X-Wing can carry a lot of shit. He's got a lot of boxes he's pulled out of this thing. He starts eating his rations and talking to R2 about it. Feels how it feels strange here. It feels like, like what? Like we're being watched. Away, put your weapon. I mean you no harm. I am wondering, why are you here? And he so, hasn't been named yet at this I was, point. I was he's, just, say, he's just I, I, an unnamed I, I, creature. I don't name him just yet. I say we yeah. see he's a small green figure with large ears, a hunchback, and he's carrying a cane. Very unassuming. I'm looking for a great warrior. Hmm. Warriors must make one great. The shot here where Yoda is digging through Luke's stuff, that's my favorite shot of Yoda of all time with his little Yoda booty up in the air. And his, love, his, and his feet. I love was, that, that was shot. That wrote. Like, they make him feel so real and not a puppet because, yes, we, oh. we see him first in full. He's in a squat. We see his feet. We see him sitting on this log. And then, yeah, immediately we see him, his feet and his legs. Like, you know, hey, there's no hand in there. He's moving inside there, but you see his legs, his feet. There's, there's no. And that, that helps him feel like he's a real thing. You know he's a puppet, but seeing him on a 360 and in all these different ways, makes him feel that much more real. I love that they were able to do that. Yes, yes. And and also, this was another Kirsch idea to make uh, Yoda kind of wacky at first. Mm-hmm. He's very, very silly. Yeah, digging through all of Luke's food, saying it's disgusting. And, uh, and grabbing that lamp and R2 trying to take it back. And, mine, 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 which, mine. Which you can now buy at the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's available now for only $60. You can buy the little metal lamp. I didn't see it there. I would have bought one. Yeah, you can buy them. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought it. Not 60 bucks. You I did have. almost, though, They. I did see the restraints. I almost bought a pair of those. The Imperial oh, nice. restraints. Those are pretty cool. I need to get my ship out of this slimy mud hole. Sl- mud hole? Slimy? My home this is. This is kind of uh, the hero's journey. And this, is, this would be kind of the first trial, I think. Yoda's, he doesn't even know it yet, but Yoda's testing him. Mm-hmm. Testing his patience, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Jedi Master? Yoda? You seek Yoda? You know him? Mm, take you to him, I will. <laughs> George Lucas his original intention when he was writing the first Star Wars was that Obi-Wan Kenobi would still be alive at this point and would continue Luke's training but 
he killed him off at the end of Star Wars, so he needed somebody else. Uh, immediately went to Jim Henson, who was working right next door. I think they were even making the great Muppet Caper, of all things. Mm. Um, and Henson told Lucas, you got you to gotta use Frank Oz. Frank Oz is actually the best. And the rest is history. Lucas was so impressed at the end of all this that he went on this major campaign to try and get uh, Frank Oz nominated for an Oscar, uh, some sort of supporting actor. I I don't, I don't know what he would have. I read Frank Oz was like, George, I don't really care that much about it. He doesn't even care. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Frank Oz. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the little guy, but magical, just magical. No. And then again, he, he feels so real. Uh, He does not feel like a puppet. Yeah. He's like, Oh, come with me. Well, we'll eat first. And uh, you know, uh, Luke should follow him. I'll, I'll give you a good supper. And it, he tells Archie to stay and watch the camp, but he does not do that. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing I want to mention too, it it reminds me this time, especially of uh, Bob Hoskins in Roger Rabbit and how he really helped bring Roger to life. He was 50% of that. And I feel the same here with Mark Hamill's performance. He Mm -hmm. really helped sell Yoda as a living, breathing creature. We see Leia welding something and Han and her get close they flirt, fight some more. He touches her hand. The music gets romantic. Uh, she's standing mm-hmm. on apple boxes, and then they kiss. And yep. It's great. And then three PO dang three PO interrupts. Damn cock blocking robot. <laughs> we see the star destroyers and super star destroyers still searching. Lord Vader, the Emperor wishes to speak with you. Take us out of the asteroid field, and I will talk to him for a better signal. Blah blah blah. I love that shot too of the executor coming mm. out of the field. It's yeah, really it's cool. cool. And then he goes and talks to the emperor through this hologram. And I again missed the original where it was the woman with the chimpanzee eyes. <laughs> and then they changed the dialogue here too, which I don't like. They added all this extra dialogue about uh, how the boy who destroyed the Death Star. I'm certain is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. Search your feelings; you know it to be true. Which is just like, yeah, that's that great line from later in the movie. Could you not use that right here? The original Emperor, played by Marjorie Eaton in heavy makeup with apes' eyes superimposed over hers. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned at the start, voiced by Clive Raville. The dialogue is not as different as you might think. It's 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 slightly rearranged, and they say the name Anakin where they don't say Anakin in the first one, and that's yeah, really the, about it. But it's George thinking that the audience is stupid and has to hold their hand and has to explain that they know who the blue the Death Star, and we think it's this kid who is Anakin. Like it's it's him. It's someone saying. Now, how do they, because later on he says, you know, young Skywalker, how does he know it's a Skywalker? Oh, uh, because, uh, because it's smart and he, he knows it is now. And it's, it's him having to hold someone's hand and explain it to them through the movie rather than just saying, fucking figure it out on your own. He will join us or die, master. And then we then cut to the house where our little Dagobah friend lives. <laughs> R2 did not listen to Luke and came with them somehow and is uh, trying to tiptoe and look into the window. That was a Kirsch edition, last minute, sending crew members scrambling to try and figure out how to make this droid get up on its tippy toes, and they did it. 
Yeah, it works. And great. it's the same the same too with that scene after R two gets spit out and he basically barfs out a bunch of that swamp water. That was mm-hmm. another Kirsch idea that they were oh okay, we gotta figure that out now. Luke is impatient asking why they have to eat dinner first and meet Yoda later. Like how far away is Yoda? Is he close? Not far. And it's the Jedi's time to eat too. So eat your food and then we'll go see him. <laughs> Did you you didn't have any spaceships? Did you have a Dagobah playset? No, we didn't have any playsets either. Okay. That yeah. was that's a very we, no, we, I guess we had the Ewoks Village. That's the place that we had. Ooh, that's but, a that's a good one. But that came out in eighty three. Yeah, Yoda's Dagobah hut was a very memorable and favorite place. It's set. a and very, I never, very, very fine hut. And I never, even having the toy, never really stopped to think about that it's this hollowed out tree stump. Hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we definitely had a little Yoda figure and his little snake that went around his neck. Why must you become Jedi? Because of my father. Ooh, powerful Jedi was your father. How do you know who my father was? You don't even know who I am. I cannot teach him. And then the voice of Obi-Wan chimes in and says, he will learn patience. And then we had this conversation between the two of them. Much anger in him, like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? Yeah, there's suddenly this switch in this silly creature. He's not silly anymore. He is stoic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I had a little joke here. Was I any different when you taught me? Yeah, you were a different actor. I didn't teach you. Some jackoff <laughs> named Qui-Gon Jinn did. <laughs> I like Qui-Gon. I like Ewan. I like uh, Alec Guinness. I like them all. Yeah, so this is where Luke realizes this is Yoda. And he's like, you know, no, I, I, I am ready. Tell him, Ben, I, I, I'm ready. And he tries to stand up and, of course, bumps his head. Something they had to do, like, 30 takes of until... Irvin Kirshner was satisfied? I read 16. But okay. I, I, I just it, was either several. number is a lot. Much mm-hmm. anger in him, like his father. For 800 years, I have taught Jedi. And uh, Yoda talks about how he has kept an eye on Luke. And for his whole life, Luke was always focused on you know, his dreams and what could be. Not on what he was doing. Where he was supposed to be like focused. And he's like, you know, uh, not, he's too old to begin the training. And I just, I don't want to bother with this kid. He's, he's too arrogant. He doesn't want to, I, I can't do, I can't do this, this kid. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Which was something that actually scared me a little bit as a that kid. That is still terrifying. Are you kidding? That still like makes the hair stand up. And his face, like that performance. Speaking of which, Yoda, designed by Stuart Freeborn, we didn't mention. Um, who modeled Yoda's face much after his own, uh, combined with the face of Einstein. Ah. So that's kind of cool. And then uh, filming Yoda scenes, they had to be on this elevated stage, obviously, like four to five feet off the actual ground. Hamill up above alone had to wear an earpiece in order to hear Oz down below. And then this is the cool part. Oz obviously controlled the mouth and with his right hand and then controlled the left hand while his assistant Catherine Mullen operated the right hand and then another assistant Wendy Meidener controlled the ears while David Barclay operated the eye movement so as Catherine Wendy four people, da- four people. that's one complex puppet 
but we're it's a very crowded crowded underneath that stage and then uh yeah uh so we're back in the asteroid field and we see that the imperial bombers are dropping bombs on the larger asteroids trying to scare the falcon out tie bombers new design for this movie and then uh, we see leia hanging out in the cockpit she sees something thing flying past the windshield and then (laughs) finally globbing onto it scaring her and what are they mike they are Minox. They uh, are these creatures that feed on power lines. And another little Ben Burt trivia note, he got the uh, sound effect for these by <laughs> playing horse whinnying backwards. Yeah, I thought that was a cool fact. Their look, too, is great. The, the little like, suction cup mouth. We had fish growing up that had those kind of mouth that we would like, clean the tank for you. And very bat-like with those like fleshy wings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Leia comes out. I was like, Han, there's something out there in the cave. So Han, Leia, and Chewie put on these masks that allow them to breathe. And they exit the ship in what is essentially outer space, but they just need some breathing masks. Uh, no uh, no space helmets needed in Star Wars, which is cool. Would there be like some sort of atmosphere on an asteroid? I wouldn't think so. It's too small. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be the vacuum of space in there. And and there's gravity. Yeah. I don't know. Damn no, I, you, Justin. Stop poking holes in it. <laughs> it's also science fiction, so it doesn't matter. In in, in yes. this in this galaxy, it doesn't matter. As long as you have oxygen, you're fine. Yeah. And they got oxygen masks, so they're and, fine. And uh, I do like here there is some added CGI I noted in this scene when they do walk out of the ship into the cave. It's very subtle. It's why I appreciate it. Uh, it's you can see a bit as they first step onto the floor that it's squishy and there's some sheen to it. You can see that it's like a soft, wet thing that they're walking on in the, the very first few steps they take out. It's just underneath the smoke, whereas in the original, it's just smoke everywhere. You don't see any of the lights bouncing. It's just the haze covering a dark floor. But they added some additional stuff, so you see a little bit of the squish. And it's like, oh. I appreciate that. That's subtle CGI. I appreciate hmm. adding atmosphere, showing me the ground is indeed wet and soft. I I thought it was just the HD. I thought it maybe just didn't show up before because then in the commentary, Carrie Fisher talks about how the surface was like that when they were filming it. Oh, then maybe it must have been the HD thing. Because, yeah, I certainly never saw it as a kid. As a kid, I was always just like, oh, it's just I never a, did either. It's just a foggy floor. But if, if she says it was soft and wet in the seen then i guess yeah i'm just seeing it for the first time it looked pretty lo-fi to me here too looked like just like wet garbage bags with <laughs> soft blankets or something underneath that could be and maybe that's why i thought it was so impressive cgi wise because i was like oh that looks really real but obviously it was real i just could never see it before here's one of those great porno lines where my sister wrote in a <laughs> short story there's an awful lot of moisture in here <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but they find some minox chewing on the wires they shoot one some more of them appear chewy fires but misses and then the entire cave shifts and han's like okay and he shoots the floor purposely to see what happens of course the cave shifts some more and very i wrote very star trek where they shake the camera and then the actors are trying to <laughs> throw themselves around pretending to be falling over which it works it really works for the scene but it's very star trek it works, but it is, now that you mentioned that, I can picture them like throwing themselves around and it is pretty comical. We need to get out of here. But the cave is collapsing. This is no cave. 
and we see that they were in this giant space snail. Yeah, or space slug. Yeah. I always mentioned I was I always mentioned that like the the asteroid was its shell. So I think it was a snail, but that's just me. Oh, I like that. I never thought about it that way. And it is kind of snail like with its eyes. Those mm-hmm. weird little eyes. But slugs um, do that too. And only because I have a particular action figure playset do I know the name of the space slug. It's called an exogorth. And this was always one of my favorite shots as a kid of that mouth closing and that Millennium Falcon just sneaking past those big giant teeth. Mm-hmm. I love oh, that. Luke training with his Yoda backpack, running, jumping, climbing trees, putting on makeup while you're out there. <laughs> Anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the force are they. And he talks about how Vader was seduced by the dark side of the force. And Yoda's like, or Luke's like, well, how am I going to know the good from the bad? When you are calm, you will know. And I like how he doesn't say Vader, too. He just says Obi-Wan's apprentice. Oh, I, I wrote Vader, but anyway. No, it's the same thing. Same thing. I just, I, I like how he, how he worded it. It just puts a little different spin on it. He puts Yoda down eventually and then puts on his jacket and he can sense something's not right. I feel cold. Yoda says, that place is strong with the dark side of the force. You must go to it. A What's place it? of darkness. What's in there? I think that's what you're going to say, yeah. right? Yeah. Only what you take with you. That's a great line. Your weapons. You will not need them. And Luke's Please. like, um, yeah, right. I'm taking them. Yeah, I'm going to take these. And he <laughs> enters this dark cave that's full of snakes and twisted branches and Komodo dragons or dragon lizards of some kind. And then uh, suddenly we're in slow-mo because who's there, Mikey? Vader emerges and this going back to the the trials of the hero there's usually three trials right in the middle of the movie we've already seen that first trial we're now right smack dab in the middle an hour into a two-hour movie here is the second trial how is Vader here what is going on like is this real Luke engages Vader the battle is very short Luke wins. He decapitates Vader. What? How? Vader's mask on the floor explodes, revealing Luke's own face. Luke is staring at his own face inside the mask. What the fuck? So Metaphor. Like, a warning. Luke could go down the dark path like Vader. Yeah. You're not on easy street, kid. This is a challenging time. Uh, but then we're back in space where there's uh, bounty hunters we don't need that scum. I wrote that Vader bronzed his tactics to capture the Falcon by hiring six bounty hunters. And name them. I know you know them. Dengar, IG-88, Boba Fett, Bosk, Zuckus, and Forlam. Dengar is the guy with like the mummy face. IG-88 is the big robot guy. His head is actually a Rolls-Royce combustion chamber repurposed from the cantina set. Boba Fett, we all know. Uh, who he is, Bosk, the Trandoshan lizard guy. And then finally, Zuckus and Forlam, the weird bug robot. We had had one of those guys. Nice. Yes, as did I. Um, And infamously, speaking of those toys, they had their names reversed on the card packaging. And no one really cared. (laughs) <laughs> I always cared it. It honestly, it always stuck out to me. I'm like, why is the the 
normal non-robot guy called a robot name like Forlom? And why is the robot guy called Zuckus? That doesn't make sense. It always stood out to me. And I'm like, I, I hallelujah, I, 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 I was I, I, right. I'm, I'm wondering how Forlom is a robot name, but it doesn't matter. 4-L-O-M. Oh, well, I did if, if you see it, if I mean, you see I, it spelled I, I, out. I think it was the number four. Yes. They, a, uh, a substantial uh, reward yeah. for whoever brings in the Millennium Falcon and its passengers. I want them alive. No disintegrations. Uh, and then they get a, a message from the uh, the Star Destroyer called the Avenger. They have the Falcon on the run. It's come out of the asteroid field. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, here, let's go into light speed. But oh, no, it's still not working. That's not fair. It's not my fault. Uh, they lose their rear defector shield. And Han says, well, let's turn the ship around. And they move into attack position. And what? they buzz the bridge of the Star Destroyer. But then they disappear. They no longer appear on our scopes. And Captain Nita has to answer to Lord Vader. I shall assume full responsibility and apologize to Lord Vader. Luke is doing handstands with Yoda balanced on one of his feet while he piles rocks with the Force. R2 interrupts them, though, uh, letting Luke know that his ship is going, going, gone. Luke upside down once again. We'll never get it out now. Always with you, it cannot be done. Hear you nothing, I say? And he's like, well, I, I can lift the rocks. That's one thing. But this is entirely different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, no try. Do or do not. There is no try. Oh, so good. Luke does begin to lift the ship out of the water, and I love Yoda's reaction. His eyes are just like, what? He's actually doing this? Mm -hmm. But then ultimately the X-Wing sinks back in even further than it was to begin with. Big time fail. Yeah, we see Yoda's kind of saddened. And Luke's just like, oh, it's, it's too big. I just cannot do it. There's Side. another one of your porno lines. I can't. It's too big. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then, yeah, size matters not. Judge me by my size, do you? Another and he talks man. about how he is powerful because the Force is his ally. It's in everything. It, it's life. It surrounds us. It binds us. We are luminous beings, not this crude matter, this sack of meat we're walking around in. Hmm. And then Luke is just uh, the sucky pupil. He's like, you ask the impossible. That's, that's his only reaction. And he walks away and he pouts. And then Yoda uses the force to lift the X-Wing out of the water and put it on the ground. And the music is beautiful here. And Luke's astonished. I, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Elegant. And then I, I can hear the music cue for this next part that... Apology accepted, Captain Nita. As uh, Captain Nita drops dead on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Vader unleashed. And uh, they still and can't find the Falcon. And we see that the uh, Falcon is, of course, on the Star Destroyer. And they're just kind of hanging out there on the backside of the bridge. Brilliant tactic, Mr. Solo. 3PO's freaking out, saying they should just surrender and get it over with. And I love Han, like, just gestures to Leia, and she just shuts him off. 
<laughs> Thank like this, you. This like unspoken language is like, would you? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then Han Han uh, lets Leia in on his plan. He's going to wait for the Star Destroyer to dump its garbage before it goes off into hyperspace, and then they can just float away with the debris. Then what will they do? Han does some searching on Google Star Maps and <laughs> finds that Lando is near. Lando, Lando the star system? Lando's not a system. He's a man. Card player, gambler, scoundrel. You'd like him. Thanks. <laughs> Love that dialogue, too. Can you, man. Can you, can you trust him? No, but he's got no love for the Empire, so we got that on our side. At that point, the garbage is released from the Star Destroyer, uh, and as they float away, Leia is impressed. You do have your moments. Gives Han a kiss on the cheek. And then, uh, yeah, as they fly away, we see some other ship behind them also had the idea of floating away with the garbage. It's Boba Fett in the Slave One. I have a suggested modification. How about some rearview mirrors for the Falcon? Oh, because then perhaps they would see the Slave One like right behind them. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he's got some kind of cloaking thing so that he's not popping up on their radar. More Force handstands of lifting of rocks and lifting of R two. Through the Force, you will see things: the future, the past, or old friends long gone. And Luke goes, Han, Leia. He drops everything. And he says how oh, he could see a city in the clouds and his friends were in pain. He's seeing the future. Will they die? Difficult to see. Always in motion is the force. Luke says he wants to go and save his friends, but Yoda says that if he does that, then everything that they will have fought for will be have been for nothing. I love Luke's face here, by the way. His reaction to that news is devastating. He is torn as torn can be. It's a tough call. Because he wants to do the right thing, but if he does the right thing, it's also going to be against what they're trying to do for him. So it's all kind of a catch-22. Bespin is the planet, and Cloud City is the location, I guess. Has the, the happening place where Han is yeah. trying to get permission to land by saying he knows this guy named Lando Calrissian. But everyone's like, no, you don't have any landing clearance. We don't, we're not buying it. I thought you knew this person. Chewie chimes in with something, and Han's like, well, that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's forgotten about that. Visually is one of my favorite sequences, them flying through these pink clouds. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for the uh, special effects crew to match the coloring on the miniatures. Yeah, yeah, you were going to mention the cloud cars. The cloud cars are pretty cool. I like those designs. They finally land. Lando comes to meet them. You got a lot of nerve showing up here after what you pulled. And then he uh, fake pumps at Han and then gives him a hug. (laughs) How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. And uh, we see Lobot, and he's so cool looking. Yes, yes, the bald guy with the mechanics on his head. And then there's there's some in the animated show Rebels. There's more stuff about those headpieces, and um, there's a Greedo creature that shows up that has one of those on. And apparently, like you give up a big chunk of your personality when you choose to put one of those on. Mm. Interesting. What are you doing here? I'm here for repairs. I was hoping you could help me out. What'd you do to my ship? Your ship? Hey, you lost it to me fair and square. And then we get the, uh, hello, what have we here? Mm. Welcome, Leia. And then uh, Lando gives them the tour, and uh, he has his people start to work on the hyperdrive. And then uh, as they're walking through the hallways, again, we have some more 
additional stuff in the 97 version, more fake windows, the background showing more of Cloud City. C-3PO sees another protocol droid that looks just like him in this doorway. And then he hears what sounds like another R2 unit. He's like, what's that not R2 unit? Let me go see. And uh, he goes in this curious little small back room. He sees something he shouldn't see and tries to leave, but he is shot and is blown apart. Oh, no. And I bet, like, the first time seeing this, people were like, oh, my God, 3PO's dead. Yeah, but he's a droid. He can be rebuilt. <laughs> uh, Chewie even comes back to see what that noise was, but he can't find anything. The door is shut. So he's like, ah, oh, okay, I guess I'll go back to Han. Back on Dagobah, Luke has decided to, to leave his training. He has failed the third trial. Oh, no. And he's packing up the X-Wing as Yoda is pleading with him to stay, complete the training. But Han will lay and die if I don't. You don't know that, says the forest ghost of Obi-Wan. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben even appears to, to get Yoda's back. You will be tempted by the dark side of the Force. Please Remember your failure at the cave. I don't want to lose you to the Emperor the way I lost Vader. Yeah, I wrote that one down too. That, that one actually really hit me this time. Luke promises he'll return and leaves anyway. And they provide some you know, last minute advice. And he promises he'll come back. Don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. Strong as Vader. Mind what you have learned. Save you it can. That boy was our last hope. No. There is another. Pause on this little moment too. This was only intended to make the audience feel like Luke was expendable. Like he might possibly die at the end of this. Mm Mm-hmm. And Leia was not originally intended to be Luke's sister. In Lee Brackett's script, the ghost of Anakin visits Luke on Dagobah, Mm -hmm. tells of his sister whose name was Nelith, who has underwent her own Jedi training elsewhere in the galaxy. And then Lucas's original intention was for the sequel trilogy to focus on Luke going and finding his sister. Oh, cool. But it was not meant to be. Uh, we get a quick uh, 1997 CGI Cloud City little tour. And we see... Yeah, cloud cars zipping around. Leia pacing. I kind of like it. Leia is pacing because no one knows what's happened to C-3PO and no one seems to be concerned about it. Han hmm. says he'll talk to Lando and they'll be out of there soon. Well, and, then, then, and then Leia's like, you're as good as gone then too, aren't you? And mm-hmm. Han can't even answer. And yeah, Leia does not like uh, Han leaving to escape the uh, bounty hunters. And we then cut to Chewie in the kind of furnace room of Cloud City. I I wrote uh, Chewie pays a visit to the Cloud City Sanitation Services. (laughs) Because this looks like where the garbage is going. Yeah, everything gets burned up in the furnace. And uh, the Ugnaughts are throwing garbage in there as they find C-3PO. And then Chewie manages to wrestle him away from all of them. And then we see a quick glimpse glimpse of an IG robot like ig88 did you see him like huddled up in the back Mm -hmm. and i'm sure it's a different robot but in my imagination i was starting to think oh wow did ig88 try to get in on this and boba fett probably just blasted him killed him is that really ig88 uh it'd be cool i just figured it was we saw another c3po droid it's just a different one yeah uh but then uh chewie brings 3po to hanalea chewie says he can fix him olenda's got people who can fix him no thanks yeah, yeah, we should mention that Lando has arrived. Yeah, he, he tries to put the charm on Leia again. I love how Han just kind of covers in his face in embarrassment for his friend. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lando invites the group to come and get refreshments. 
And they're walking around. He's talking about how he operates this place outside of the control of the empire. And he's just made a deal to make sure the empire stays out of his business for good. And as he says yeah. so, he opens the door. And what do we see? Vader! Han draws his blaster and fires. Vader blocks the blaster bolts. And then Force pulls the blaster right out of, right out of Han's hand. The shot is just Kirsch tossing the blaster. Nice. And then uh, this would be an awkward uh, scene if if <laughs> if the cameras kept rolling here. Yeah, he invites them to sit down. And they actually like he's like probably gonna tell them, okay, so you two are gonna go off on your own, and I'm gonna torture him. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> I think there is a robot chicken of that scene too. Oh, probably so. There was a there's a robot chicken scene at the space slug where there's two of them, and they <laughs> they're like, oh man, he got away. You don't order Chinese food? Yeah, that's what Chinese food they do. And then there's like, you know, <laughs> uh, hey, is it cancer charge? Doesn't matter. We're just going to eat the guy anyway when he gets here. <laughs> <laughs> we see Luke in the X Wing. He's getting close. And meanwhile, in the cell block, there's some sort of crazy torture sounds that are, that are driving chewy bonkers. Yeah, they mentioned like 20 different frequencies of dog whistles going off at like. <laughs> Full volume was driving him insane. But then they stop, and he pulls C-3PO's box out, and he starts putting all, all back together. I wrote, there's some cool puppet work here. As yeah. He's putting it back together. And then uh, he gets his head kind of turned on. Uh, Stormtroopers, here. We're in danger. I must tell the others. Oh, no, I've been shot. That's a really cool moment. Like, that's the last thing he remembers. He kind of get a gl- almost get a glimpse of what he saw. Finally. Yeah, like he, you hear him repeating the dialogue he had said in this scene before as he's like getting rebooted. And like, it's like the very next thing he would have said, which is going to be, Yes, Stormtroopers. That's awesome. I love that touch. And then we see Han getting tortured by Vader. Uh, was there a playset for the torture table? I doubt it. What? So was, was there a. a oh, was there a toy? No, no. A tor- torture not, table playset? At least not back in the day. I don't know if they've ever done one more recently. Probably uh, not a place, Hasbro. but I, I'm sure someone's built something for something. Oh, that I'm people sure people can buy. Vader tells Boba Fett he can take Han to Jabba after Vader has Skywalker. I, I I wrote down in my notes really quick, like when they're when they're shocking Han. I think he should have said, "Why well, didn't know you were going to be giving me electric shocks?" <laughs> Lando chimes in to Vader. Leia and Chewie will have to remain on Cloud City forever. That was not part of our agreement. Nor was giving Han to this bounty hunter. And then Vader basically says, oh, you think I'm being unfair? Just keep it up. I will ruin you in an instant, Lando. Shut it. <laughs> and uh, great acting by Billy D here, too. I love his facial expression. He swallows, he swallows very hard and, and, and remembers his place in the galaxy. <laughs> this deal's getting worse all the time. And then back in the cell block, Han, half dead, is dragged in with Chewie and 3PO, and then Leia is eventually tossed in as well. Han confesses that they never even asked him any questions. They're mm-hmm. just torturing him. And he, he was just torturing him so that Luke could feel his pain through the Force. That's all it was for. It was just a big, like, you know, Force luring of Luke. Which, uh, which Lando comes into the room and kind of explains that to him. He's like, this is all just a trap to catch some uh, Skywalker. And we're the bait. Yeah, well, he's on his way. And then uh, Han punches Lando, and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I tried to do better, but I got my own problems. Yeah, you're a real hero. And then uh, there's where we see the Ugnaughts prepping a freezing chamber for Vader. 
and he's being told that Luke has arrived. And then Lando says his facility here is only used for carbon freezing. It may kill Luke if he uses it on him. To which Vader's like, well, that's why we're going to test it first on Mr. Han Solo. Hmm. <laughs> and this set apparently was all of that steam that you see, that was real steam. So it was boiling hot. And can you imagine being in a Chewbacca costume? Carrie Fisher said that the Chewbacca started stinking so bad on this set. And tensions were running high, too, because it was so hot. It, it I would was imagine a... so. They all kind of come in. Chewie is now carrying 3PO on his back because he was only able to attach his head and his right arm at this point. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett says that Han is no good to him dead. To which, again, Vader, I, I wrote, Vader says, Bitch, please, if he dies, I'll pay your bounty. We see Chewie trying one last attempt to stop them from taking Han. But uh, Han has to tell him, you know, hey, man, you got to chill out. Like, I know you have a... And I thought about this, too. Like, you know, he has sworn to protect Han from harm. He has this life debt towards him. Obviously, he's going to die here. Like, he's like, okay, last minute dodge. I'm going to start knocking guys down because, like, I got to save my guy. And he's like, Chewie, forget about it, man. Like, give my life debt to Leia. You're watching after her now, okay? I'm done. It's okay, man. I, I, I release you from your debt is basically what he's trying to say. There's an interesting moment, too, where as as Chewie is wrestling with the Stormtroopers, uh, Boba Fett raises his blaster to take a shot, and Vader stops him. Why does he stop him? I don't know. Probably because he knows that Han's like going to do the right thing. Watch this, watch this. He's going to get him to calm it down. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. And I never thought about it before until this time. I'm like, well, why? Why didn't he just let him shoot him? Because he, he thought he, maybe he would misfire and blow something up in the chamber and maybe break he would the... shoot Leia. And he, I, who knows? But my guess is he's like, no, 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 no. We need to test this shit. Don't ruin this right now. Like, if you blast something yeah. here, they got, to, they got to fix it. And I can't use this facility anymore. That's, yeah, that's where I'm leaning. This is where Han and Han... Leia have the passionate kiss and the famous line. Ford improved his his half. Which again, I, I read it wasn't that he like just said it during the take. It was like he said, "How about I say this instead?" And they said, "Yeah, let's shoot that." I've read different accounts, but the one that I from Kirshner, I heard it in his voice. He said that they were the film was the 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 line was scripted. I love you. I love you too. Which they tried, and it just didn't didn't work. Didn't sound like Han Solo. And then they tried. He was like, "Well, try improvising some things." And it and it was lunchtime too, so they were filming into the lunch hour. And again, it's a super hot set. Tensions are high. Everybody wants to be fucking done. And finally, Kirshner is like, "Okay, okay, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Action." And this came out. Okay, cool. And then Kirshner was like, "Okay, wrap. Let's go to lunch." And the crew didn't want to didn't want to go. They were like, "That's not the take you're gonna." keep is it i know i know that's what he's gonna say he can't say that and he's like that's but it's the so, line it's so good he can't it say it is. back because she already knows how he feels and she's and the it's tra- so suave and cool he, he, he's been coming under her so hard she's like she knows he's interested in her and she's like hey before you before you possibly die i also liked you too he's like i fucking know well that's I, what it does it totally changes the table yeah. right like up until now, she had been the one 
she's playing she's been, hard to she's get. Been, yeah, hard to get and being cold. And like, now, no, I don't. I don't date scoundrels. You're you're such a bad boy. I don't date bad boys like you. And then he's like about to die. He's like, by the way, I actually really like you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's him flipping the table on her. That's that's really. Really but awesome. But, but then she throws it back at him in the next movie, so it's totally cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I love, too, that I didn't notice before, uh, as soon as he says that, they do not break eye contact until the minute he is frozen. That whole time he's being lowered, they oh. are locked eyes that whole time. He doesn't, change, he doesn't look anywhere else besides right at her eyes. Yeah. And speaking of eyes, like Carrie Fisher uh, looks amazingly beautiful throughout this whole movie. Yeah, the, the music and the sound effects of this scene are great. They have this giant crane that pulls them out of the floor. The I love Ugnats. the sound effect. <laughs> no, no, that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one too. <laughs> that oh, that's really cool. And I, th- I think they said they, they that was recorded at like a, uh, a as a power generator at a military base outside of San Francisco. They knock over this little wall. Han is a frozen cube of carbonite. He's alive, and he's in perfect hibernation. And Vader tells them to reset the chamber to make it ready for Luke and to make sure that Luke finds his way into this room. Calrissian, take the princess and the Wookiee to my ship. You said they could stay here under my supervision. I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. And the whole Han frozen in carbonite thing, that was all done because they weren't actually sure if Ford was going to return for the next episode. Uh, Everybody else was under contract. Ford was not. He wanted the character to die. Mm -hmm. Lucas... Lucas had plans for Solo going forward, so but this was like his compromise. Okay, we'll we'll leave it up in the air. Han Frozen in Carbonite, one of my favorite action figures back in the day. Very, very rare. That was like the power of the force. It was right towards the end of the action figures, the original ones. And it just had like, you couldn't pose Han with his hands up with the action figure, so it just had him with his hands down by his side. So it wasn't really movie accurate, but I loved having like the block of carbonite and the Han to go with it. But the hands to the side, that actually reminds me of another little story. I'm sorry, but you're going to have to put up with me. Kirshner had Han, had Ford went to go uh, have his cast made for the block of carbonite and uh, posed just in this peaceful uh, position with his arms at his side. And when Kirshner saw this, he was like, no, 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 no. Solo would be fighting to the end. He would do this. And he practiced the pose for Ford to do. And then Ford went and redid it. Nice. And then we get this iconic pose. Like, how iconic is this? This image of Han and Carbonite with the, with the dribble going down the side of the face. I always wonder, how is he doing that with his hands? Because he's still in handcuffs. He's got the, you can see the, the. No, you can't. It's there. It's not because then he's unfrozen. He's not wearing handcuffs. It's, <laughs> it's, it got, it got frozen into nothing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But yes, anyway, so Lando and Lobot exchange a glance, which I love. And then yeah. Luke and uh, he's seeing Boba Fett taking away. Well, he doesn't know it's Han, but we, it, we know it's Han being taken away by Boba Fett. Our two makes loud noise like an asshole and then boba comes back and shoots at luke leading him to where he needs to go and then we see lando and leia being escorted to vader's ship by some stormtroopers and they can hear the they can hear the blaster bolts going off too so they know something's going on 
And then uh, Lando, we see using his smartwatch to call for Lobot. So cool. I love Lobot. And uh, Luke kind of finds their group, and uh, Lando keeps trying to get a look of who's this kid that Vader's after. Yeah, and- Luke, Luke's trying to follow Boba, but then somehow loses him, but comes upon Lando, Leia, and their group. And then this is Jeremy Bullock, the actor who played Boba Fett as the Imperial officer that grabs Leia and uses her as a human shield, like a little piece of shit. Which I never really noticed until this viewing. I was like, in my mind, as a kid, I guess, it was always, he's grabbing her, making sure she doesn't try to make a run for it and run for Luke. I never noticed it until this time. No, he's the only guy there not wearing a Stormtrooper uniform that's got some armor on it. So yeah. he's using her as a human shield so Luke doesn't try to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy Bullock, I actually met like when I was, I don't know, 12, 13. I don't remember exactly what age, but the man behind the mask tour uh, came to the area. I, I remember meeting him. I got uh, a Boba Fett mug autograph that I still have with his signature right on it. And I got a Slave One autographed as well, which unfortunately I no longer have. I must have been so excited that I blanked out the experience because I remember the day. I remember going to the convention. I remember all of the vendors. I kind of vaguely remember meeting Bullock in like this hallway area. But my dad was like, oh, you guys talked forever. He was talking to you about acting. I, I blanked it all out. I, I, I'm ashamed to say. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that. I, I think I was just just so beside myself that I wasn't even I wasn't even present. <laughs> just shell shocked. And then this is the great delivery by Carrie Fisher as they're trying to take her into this hallway. Luke, Luke, don't it's a trap. Ah, it's a trap. <laughs> and I, I just I love that delivery. And Luke kind of thinks on that for a moment, but he still presses on anyway. And then, uh, were you a watcher of Stranger Things? Oh yeah. It's that great moment in season two when uh, they're sending the crew down into the tunnels and Will's been kind of, uh, the episode is called The Spy and like Mike had suggested, you know, hey, Will, you're connected to that shadow creature. You can be a spy for us. You can tell us like, you know, if it's safe or not. And then like, as they're going in the tunnels, Will's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, what? You made it mad and I, I told you not to make it mad. And uh, then Mike realizes what's going on. And he kind of runs to the control and like, no, get him out of there. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's very much echoing that same uh, thing. His delivery is very much trying to do. It's a trap. <laughs> and I was so, I remember that moment, but I was so in the moment that I didn't even, didn't even catch that. Oh no. I, I completely just recognized it as being Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, and then, yes. So Luke follows, but the doors close behind him. Now he's, of course, in the freezing chamber. R2 R2 gets separated. Yes. Uh, The lights come up and Vader is waiting. The force. A very foreboding area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the orange glow of the lights everywhere. It's it's just a great set. It's a very cool design Mm -hmm. for that set. The force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. Luke lights up, Vader does as well, and battle begins. I love the way that Luke approaches, too. He approaches, he just steps right up to Vader confidently, defiantly, unknowingly. And he really, it's like Luke's trying his best, but Vader's just toying with him like a cat playing with a mouse before he eats it. Well, Luke is fighting with two hands on the blade, and I really noticed this time how, at least in this first part of the battle, Vader's just one hand, just beep boop. 
Well, and I had read too uh, that when George first described the lightsaber, it would have the weight of like a broadsword. It's supposed to be a very heavy sword when it's in your hand, which is why they move so much slower in the older movies. And then like uh, Mark Hamill's even said, like, you know, if they had told me I could whip it around like a katana, like they do in those other ones, I'd have been moving it around faster. But they told me it was a heavy fucking broadsword. That's why you see me really with two hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's just, he's really just toying with Luke. And it's, uh, we then see Lando's security rescuing uh, him and Leia and Chewie from the stormtroopers. They untie Chewie, but then Chewie begins to immediately start to strangle Lando. And Leia's <sighs> like, do you think that after what you did to Han, we're going to trust you? There's still a chance to save Han on the east <gasps> platform. So Chewie releases Lando and they rush off. And then we see the east platform where they're uh, loading Solo up. Put I call Cap- him Black Solo. This mm. is Black Solo. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Which I, I had uh, around the time of 1997 when Star Wars stuff was going big. My mother got me a few Star Wars things. One of them was a Boba Fett keychain. It was like his helmet and it was like flat in the back. I had a speaker, and if you like pushed the button on the back, it would say <laughs> it only said that one phrase. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. But it was uh, <laughs> it was the original dialogue before it got redubbed by the new guy. Yeah, Tim Morrison. This isn't this one doesn't talk, but look what's on my keychain. Ooh, Boba Fett. A Boba Fett helmet. And actually, look what else is on my keychain. Yoder. Oh, y- Yoder. But uh, R2 finds the group uh, as they're running for the platform. Uh, but it's, of course, too late. The Slave One is gone. And suddenly they're trapped as the Stormtroopers start attacking from the inside. Uh, and then this is where we're back with uh, Luke fighting and he loses his lightsaber. And uh, Vader kind of backs him into the freezing chamber. But, of course, before he's able to fire it up, Luke does a force jump and avoids capture. All too easy. Luke uh, uses the force to get this saber back into his hands. You have controlled your fear. Now release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. And of course, Luke has been taught this is a lie. And uh, he then is able to knock Vader off. But then Vader disappears and Luke has to go find him. I don't know if he... If Vader tells Luke that he's controlled his fear but to release his anger if he wants to defeat him. And when he says that, Luke fights more ferociously than he had. I feel like that kind of does trigger something in Luke. Anyways, either way, yeah, he does. He, he kind of overtakes Vader, seemingly, and, and he falls off this ledge. We have a new room with a big round window. I love this little travel down to this area, and then this this dark hallway is very strange and menacing, and and then we hear hor- uh, uh, hear Vader's breathing, and this whole sequence is very horror esque. Oh no, for sure. And he walks in that dark tunnel, and like it it lights up, and as soon as he walks out, the lights turn off, and the door slams shut behind him. Yeah, it's very spooky. Uh, but yeah, so this is again where Vader starts really toying with Luke, like he's fighting it with him with his lightsaber, and Luke's kind of keeping up well enough, but then. Vader's like, and I'm going to start throwing stuff at you, too. And let's see how you handle that. And Luke does not handle it too well. And he takes a beating. And uh, it, it almost becomes comical. Like, you know, he hits him from the left side. So Luke turns to the left to hit the next thing. And he hits him from the right side. Now he's like, you know, it's just, it's, it's awful. 
finally something uh, gets broken through the window and Luke gets sucked out. And uh, he luckily grabs onto a ledge and is still in this fight. Then we see Leia, Chewie, Lando, and the droids still trying to get out. Lando gets on the PA and tells his people to leave. And uh, at the same time, 3 is like, oh, here, R2, there's a, there's a computer input here. You can tell them to open up the security and open the doors up. And of course, he gets a big shock. And uh, I love 3PO's line, don't blame me. I'm an interpreter. I'm not supposed to know the difference between a power socket and a computer terminal. We see all of Cloud City fleeing, and we see the guy carrying his ice cream maker. Wilro Hood. Oh, you know the guy's name? Yeah. That's cool. But you know what I mean when I say ice cream maker guy? I love that. <laughs> when I went to Star Wars Celebration a couple of years ago, uh, which is this big, huge Star Wars convention, there was this huge, huge group of like, I don't know, 40 people dressed up in these orange jumpsuits running around with these ice cream makers just running up the stairs running down the stairs over here running there and I, they were yelling something at the time too I don't, ice cream ice i don't know what they were yelling and at the time i i didn't know who wilro hood was i'd never picked out this moment in the movie i had seen this movie hundreds of times i grew up with it i never never oh, yeah. stopped to pick that moment up and so like that's when i learned like i asked i had asked somebody what what the hell are those people? Oh, that's Wilbur Hood, the guy with the ice cream maker on Bespin, Bespin Cloud City. We always noted the guy. I didn't know it was an ice cream maker until a couple of years ago, but we always noted, like, what's he carrying? That looks weird. What is that? And now it actually has a name, thanks to the Mandalorian, a Comptono. Ooh. Because, of course, George had to name it because someone asked, what is that? He's like, oh, it's a, uh, it's a thing because I, I need to name it so you can buy it. I think that was John Favreau who came up with the name. Um, so Archer does find an actual computer terminal and he says something to 3 who's like, we don't care about the hyperdrive, it's fixed. And R2 shakes his head, but then opens the door, sets off a smoke screen so they can make it to the ship. And then uh, I love uh, 3PO's line, I thought that hairy beast would be the end of me. Vader surprises Luke. They go out onto this balcony into- Another, another, I'm sorry to stop, but man, I, we gotta, we gotta- I love this shot of Luke like finding his way back on and this whole structure too. I never like really stopped to think about it. And like this, I don't know I, I I was thinking about it. Like cloud city has that huge spire going down the bottom. When you see it on the outside, is that where they are? Like this huge I, I, circular I, I, thing? I imagine that they're in the center of the city is what I wrote. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, it, that wouldn't be the center. I think we're talking about two different things, but it, either way. No, what um, I'm saying, so what I'm imagining is like, there's the whole big dome and then there's the giant spire that comes down to the very, very yeah, bottom. Yeah. Yep. And somehow in the center of that is a big hollow tube there at the top of that. And he falls down in the center yeah, of the city. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Although that's what I was thinking this last time. I'd never really stopped to think about it, but when he falls, when he does finally fall at the end of the movie and he's on that weather vane, isn't he like up towards the under half? But, well, it's at uh, the same time too. He falls down quite a ways, but then he goes into one of those little tubes. Maybe he slides further out. I know he's like, it's like maybe like it, it, they're at the very tip top of the mushroom and he falls down through the majority of the body of the mushroom, but then he hits a slide and slides out to the middle of the mushroom. And now he's over here in the middle. I get that. Yeah. I like that. Cool. I dig it. 
amazing shot too of Vader when he when Luke goes back into this hallway. He finds his way back into the hallway, and Vader like pounces on him like mm-hmm. right away. That shot of like from behind Luke of Vader just looming like a giant. Oh, it's terrifying. I don't want to say they reuse that shot in Return of the Jedi, but or Last Jedi, but they do. Um, Where. That? When when she's having her vision in the cave, one of the visions is she sees that hallway and starts running down it. I remember that hallway. Like, jumps out for a second, and then the room like turns over. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot about the Vader shot. But yes, so they fight for a while. Vader kind of finally knocks him to his back. You are beaten. It is useless to resist. Do not let yourself be destroyed as Obi Wan did. But then- Luke, uh, Luke is still defiant. Fights back to his feet, um, and now this is where like Vader is just attacking ferociously. He is not holding back. Both hands on the hilt now, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Luke does get in one good swing and hits him in the right arm, but it's not enough. Vader then just lobs off Luke's right hand and bye bye lightsaber. Oh my god! Total devastation. To- this has got to be the lowest point for the hero, right? Oh yeah, of course. Oh wait, give it another minute. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so Vader tells Luke he can complete Luke's training together. They can bring order to the galaxy. If only you knew the power of the dark side. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And then Vader drops the equivalent of a cinematic atomic bomb. I, I figured you just do the, the Luke line, unless you want me to do the Luke line so you can do the Vader line. Uh, go for it. <laughs> He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Dun, 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 dun. That's not true. That's impossible. Such uh, your feelings, you know it to be true. In the script, it said that Obi-Wan killed Anakin. And this was because Lucas knew that David Prowse would leak. Mm-hmm. And he did. It leaked. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Luke, you and I can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen it. It is your destiny. Together, you and I can rule the galaxy as father and son. And Luke's like, nah, I'm good, and jumps off. But I think he jumps off knowing that the Force will guide him to safety, which it does. He lands in some tunnels. He slides down some fun slides, stops in the tunnels. There's a hole he falls through. Slides down more tunnels, and then he's outside the bottom of the Cloud City, hanging down from upside-down TV antennas. Uh-oh. And uh, he tries to get back in, but he can't do it, and uh, he calls out to Ben. Ben, why didn't you tell me? Calls out to Ben a few more times, and finally he's like, oh, okay, that's not working. Leia, hear me. And Leia does hear him, and they go back for him. And then here are the additional scenes of Vader that I hate. Showing that he says, alert the Star Destroyer of my arrival. Him walking onto his ship. And later the ship landing. Him getting off the ship. All because George Lucas' son said, Daddy, how did he get from the thing where he cut up his hand to being on the bridge of the Star Destroyer? Well, I'll show you a little smartass. As they approach Cloud City, Lando spots Luke and they get underneath him. And uh, Lando goes up to the top hatch and catches Luke. And I always... One is a joke thing for Luke to like look down at the Millennium Falcon and be like, oh, thank God, they're here. And then the top opens up and it's just some guy he doesn't know. He's like, uh, who the fuck are you? 
<laughs> Lando brings Luke in, though. He hands him off to Leia, who then takes him kind of to the infirmary on the Falcon, while then Lando and Chewie try to start getting away from the Empire. And then here's where we see the reused footage from Return of the Jedi, where Vader lands on his ship, again, because Lucas had to answer someone's question of, how did he get from A to, P- a to B? I'll fucking show you. He is, uh, you know, on his Star Destroyer, like, you know, so, Captain so-and-so, have you all disabled the hyperdrive like I told you to? He's like, we sure did. And sure enough, as Lando tries going, the hyperdrive is not fixed. They told me they fixed it. I trusted them to fix it. It's not my fault. I love that it's not my fault that said numerous times. It's always about how the hyperdrive is <laughs> not working. <laughs> Han, now Lando. And he's like, okay, as soon as you have them in your tractor beam, we'll send out a party to board and capture them. Set your phasers to stun, or your blasters to stun. Sorry, phasers are Star Wars Shrek. Excuse me. And then we see R2-D2 making repairs to C-3PO. Uh, let's his friend know that the city's central computer told him that the uh, hyperdrive was deactivated. I, I thought I told you not to talk to strange computers. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Chewie like, frantically trying to fix the light speed. Then we see Luke in the infirmary and Vader kind of force talks to him. But Luke doesn't talk back. Son, come with me. Ben, why didn't you tell me? Luke. It is your destiny. And then uh, this is where R2 stops working on C-3PO. And 3 is like, come on, man. It's just my leg. Come on, just, just, just fix my leg. It's the last thing. <laughs> Chewbacca can fix it. Like, don't worry about it. You don't know what you're doing. And uh, no, he takes it in his own hands and he twists like one little screw in this open panel and boom, the hyperdrive is fixed in an instant. Wow, this whole movie, it wasn't working. That's all it took. Or I, I always figured like they did have to like replace all the kinds of stuff and fix the hyperdrive, but then like to deactivate it, like they're like, uh, what's the one thing? Oh, the screw under that screw will never, will never work. And they'll never think to undo that screw. I'm just saying it hasn't worked the whole movie and then boom, we're finally, yeah, it's going. Yes. It's fantastic. And then I wrote, Piet shits his pants thinking that Vader's going to kill him for losing Skywalker. But I think Vader knows, like, you know, no, no, no. I, I know you had deactivated it. They had some luck on their side, and they turned it back on. Lucky sons of bitches. Yeah, or he's just tired of killing his subordinates. Or he's not going to have anybody left if he ki- keeps killing them. <laughs> or, or Piet is the first guy that actually shows fear. Like, all these other guys were kind of dickish pricks but piet's the first guy that's just just trying to get by without getting killed (laughs) he's just just like oh my god please don't kill me please don't kill me please don't kill me (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not my fault please don't kill me um but yeah yeah, this is kind of the end of the film where we see the falcon is now back with the rebel fleet Luke is getting his new mechanical hand. I love the effect of like seeing the mechanics inside his wrist as he's like webbing his fingers. That's very cool. And that like they're testing to see like if the fingers actually feel. So he can he can feel again. He's almost back to normal. And then we also see uh, Lando aboard the uh, Millennium Falcon. He apparently left all of his clean clothes back at uh, Cloud City and is now rated Han's wardrobe because he's wearing Han's outfit. From the first film, the white shirt. Kind of strange. Black vest. 
I guess that's all that was available. And the, if, you know, if the, the shirt the... if the shirt fits, wear it. <laughs> no capes. Uh, I'm stuck with these vests. Uh, but yeah, they say that they're going to go to Tatooine to try and find this bounty hunter and make some kind of you know arrangements with Jabba the Hutt. And uh, they will signal Luke when they find Han. Because obviously Luke has just got this new hand. He's got a little bit of recovery time. And Luke goes to the uh, the big picture window on the side of the ship, puts his arm around Leia, and together with the two droids, they watch out as the Falcon flies off towards a massive swirling galaxy. Uh, it's a gorgeous matte painting. And uh, the music swells. And actually, the story ends. actually... Actually, not a matte painting. It's salt spread on a black disc. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But it does look... I can see how you could mistake it. Are, are you sure that's just not like... Because there's like a... That's what they sure? said on the audio commentary. But I was saying like... But there's color to it, isn't there? Maybe the salt's just like... It's the, the lighting, I think. I think it's the way that they lit it. Okay. I'll, I, I could have sworn there was like purples in there and stuff. That's what they said on the auto commentary. It was a black disc with salt spread on it and, and then probably lit a certain way. I don't know. That's, that's probably the oversimplified way, but just go with it. I will. Uh, but yeah, that's the last of my notes. Is there any kind of final thoughts you wanted to go over? No, just uh, William's romantic score soaring here at the end as the Rebel fleet flies off. It's a great another little... Here's here's a good no. question. Do you feel satisfied watching this movie as a standalone, or do you then have to at some point watch The Return of the Jedi in order to feel the story is complete? Well, I've I've seen them all so many times that I can watch this by itself easily. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But but it's only because I've seen Return of the Jedi countless times as well. Um, that's that's something that I would do as a kid. I'd just be like, "Oh, today is uh, Empire Strikes Back day. I'm just going to watch this one today." Oh, today is uh, Return of the Jedi. I'm going to watch this one three times. I feel like uh, feel like watching the Hoth battle. Oh, let's watch that one today. That's a definitely a good one to rewatch over and over is the Hoth battle. And then again, always... it's, it's kind of like that James Bond thing too, like we talked about with Raiders, where it's that opening battle sequence that doesn't really affect the rest of the movie. Hoth battle is very much that. It's just like. We're going to have a quick adventure at the top. Then we're going to go for a lull for a little bit and we'll have more adventure later. Mm-hmm. And plenty of like little action sequences along the way to keep you interested. The space slug and oh, yeah. all that sorts of fun. You're not going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us. <laughs> <laughs> Hyperdrive's not working, right? Let's try this. Oh, really? Watch this. Zoom, 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 <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Watch what? uh but that's i we should announce this is really kind of the end of season two uh we're going to get into our ratings here but i wanted to let you all know it's been wonderful having you along with us for this second season thank you all you wonderful listeners for coming along with us on this journey and uh i know we, we should put together an email we don't have one yet but uh you know i'm on instagram all the time find me at formative underscore films on instagram let me know if you like the show. Say, give us a howdy do if you listen in. I'd love to hear from you. Tell Justin to tell me hi. Or, I don't know. I'm not on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it is your choice this week, Mikey. So I need to ask you, uh, what is your rating for Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back? Or Dude. The Empire Strikes Back, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, this movie ended today, and I seriously stared at my page for 10 minutes trying to figure out how to grade this fairly and not give it a perfect 10. So, in short, childhood grade, 5. Adult grade, 5. Couldn't do it, man. What do you, what do you, what's your grade? <laughs> nice. uh, as a child, I would say it's definitely like a four out of five. Definitely love this movie as a kid. I probably watched it, yeah, just as much as I watched the rest of the other ones as a kid. Honestly, like, again, it was that one tape we had forever and ever, and I would watch all of them. Uh, and then, yeah, as we got the updated, you know, widescreen versions, I would watch all of them as well. And yeah, it just was fantastic. So I, I'm rambling at this point. Four out of five as a kid. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, as an adult, I would still say a four out of five. Like it's, it's, it's a hell of a film. Eh, you know what? No, I'll get a four point five. I, I, I want to give it a perfect five, but I also it's not a thing I watch all the time. You know, it doesn't have to be to be a five. I still want to give it a four point five out of five. I'll, I'm totally fine with that. I love the point five bump up. Yeah, you know, I love my point fives. Um, and then, of course, we should talk about what we're doing for season three, because season three has a bit of a gimmick, because everybody's got a gimmick. Mikey, it was your idea to do this, so please indulge. Uh, what is the theme of season three? You're right. I threw down the gauntlet. We are going to do films of the 90s. Only films of the 90s. and uh... So you came to me with the idea, let's do movies that we discovered in high school and college. And that was already an idea that I was thinking about so i was like yes and then i took it a step further i'm like let's let's confine ourselves which i was not always the coolest with because there's some early 2000 stuff i really like to talk about but we'll get to that another time <laughs> i've uh, got yes. some too uh, all of season three will be all 90s movies and the season opener will be uh, should i give it to you since it's always been my opening season and i have the first choice would you like to have the first choice or do you like having the ending of the season doesn't matter what 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 you want to i'll take it if you want i was just curious about that i was like well i've always had the oh the first one of the season but then mikey always gets to finish the season i'm not sure if you enjoyed that or if you wanted to have the opener i am curious what you or what you would start with uh out of the ones i have chosen i thought i would go with 1994's tim burton's uh ed wood Oh, well, I think that's what we'll start with then. Okay, well, then next week we'll be discussing Tim Burton's Ed Wood from 1994 as a formative film. Well, I don't know if it'll be next week, but it won't be too long. Our our next episode will be. Yes, uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus. I, I was hoping you'd say that. I was like, let's take like at least a couple of weeks and like catch up a little bit. I'm drowning a bit. So uh, we'll take a little bit of a hiatus. We should be back soon, much sooner than between our seasons one and two. I will guarantee yes. that. This is, again, we're just taking a little, little break. Uh, and then, yes, we'll be back with season three. It's the 90s. That's it for this week. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at formative underscore films and subscribe to formative films on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts for new episodes each Wednesday when we have our seasons going. And tune in for the season three premiere, Ed Wood. Woo! And as always, whoa, hey! I thought they smelled bad on the outside.